What's good, everybody? And happy Thanksgiving to you and yours. Welcome to another edition, midweek special midweek edition of the Amatelaki TIS podcast with your host, yours truly, Jai Shields. Got a lot of stuff to talk about with you this time or this time around. Go definitely, definitely touch on, um, not just touch on, but cover the Rams and Chiefs Monday night game of the year, where the nine and one at the time, now ten and one, Los Angeles Rams beat the nine and one, now nine and two, Kansas City Chiefs by the final score of fifty four fifty one. Get into that. Get into, I'll address my Cincinnati Bengals and and the BS I have to put up with as being a fan of that football team. I'll also touch on Lamar Jackson and why I think he should stay the starting quarterback for the Baltimore Ravens. Also touch on how the NFC East shakes up the race with the Cowboys all of a sudden playing well. And Alex and the unfortunate leg injury of Alex Smith this past Saturday, heading into the heading into tomorrow afternoon's Redskins and Cowboys game. Also, and then I also later on in the program touch on drama and Golden State between Kevin Durant and Draymond Green. Get on why Kirk Cousins stinks in prime time and why he is overpaid and basically a rich man's version a. Uh, Rich, a wealthy rich man version of uh, Andy Dalton. And then we'll preview, and then I'll preview the uh, tomorrow's Thanksgiving games and give you the picks for those three games. But first order of business is the Monday night game this past Monday between the Rams and the Chiefs. Now I'll break this up in two. I'll break it up into two. I'll touch on the Chiefs first, go to break, then I'll do the Rams, and then I'll break down the game as a whole as far as you know how the quality of the game and how I'll dissect and everything else. Patrick Mahomes for the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh I tell you that that brother, he is a stud, an absolute stud as an NFL quarterback, and you can see why the Chiefs drafted up so high to get him. I mean, this guy makes plays with his legs. He extends play. He extends plays. He, he throws it on the run. He loves to show off that arm of his. He he's got and boy does he have a he boy does he have an arm, but oh my goodness he. He was he was good in that game, but he had he was thirty three for forty six, three for four hundred seventy eight passing yards, six touchdowns, three interceptions. Uh, now with that being said, though, and he had six rushing attempts for twenty eight yards, but with that with that being said, with that being said, Patrick Mahomes has to take care of the football. Patrick Mahomes. The thing that is going to bite him, Andy Reid, the Chiefs and their fans in the butt, 
is if they play a playoff game and Patrick Mahomes gets a little too cute and gets a little too flashy in the in the in the playoff spotlight, especially if they play after they have to play the Patriots and Steelers. They get a little too flashy and he gets a little too you know, cock, no, I don't want to say cocky, but gets a little, gets overconfident, and he's gonna sit up here and fart around and cost his team a game. Because even though he had four hundred seventy-eight passing on six touchdowns, he has to take care of the football. Five turnovers, three interceptions, two at the end of the game, which is mind-boggling. I do not understand. Two at the end of the game. And then two fumbles that wound it up, turn immediately turning into points. Fumble, super score. And Patrick Mahomes, and I get it, he's young. He is a young, talented quarterback. He wants to show off his arm. He wants to see if he can throw the ball down the field. He wants to, you know, prove himself and elevate him, himself and showcase his skills and his abilities on a national spotlight that is Monday Night Football. And, and the whole spectacle that goes on with being on Monday Night Football on ESPN. He wants to show it off in front of the 70,000-plus 70, 70, at the L.A. Coliseum. You know, celebrities, uh, they didn't put any on camera in the game. But he wants every, so he wants to show off in front of them, his father, you know, every, everything else. But he has to take care of the football. He has to feel. And, he's, he, uh, and he has to, and he has to learn this. He has to learn this quick. Or else it's going to be bye-bye exit for the Kansas City Chiefs in the playoffs. Even even you don't even need just, without Alex Smith would be the first time. But still, they he has to take care of the football. He has to feel guys like Aaron Donald, who I'll get to him in a minute, but who played a phenomenal game in a game that where the combined points was a hundred was a hundred and five points combined. But the defensive front on both sides played phenomenal. I mean, defense. There was more defensive touchdowns in that game than you could shake a stick at. I mean, outside of the secondary play on both sides, which was disgustingly bad. But Aaron, Don he has to feel Aaron Donald coming coming down behind him and breathing down his neck. I mean, that's the most important. You have to tuck that football in and, and protect it. I mean, in a game where where every possession and every score and every little mistake matters, you have to protect the football in that situation. You you have to, you you have to protect the football. You have to. It is a definite need that you protect the football. And when Aaron Donald's breathing down your neck, you gotta you, you can't have it one handed and slip in and try to you know throw the ball in between your legs. Uh uh, keep keep. Control and protect that football. That's 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 the first thing. Second thing is the interceptions that he threw, both at the end of the game, which is which is still head scratching, but the interceptions in that situation, they had. Let's see, they had. I they had ideal field position, not necessarily not the best, but their field position wasn't wasn't bad. But in that situation, with let's see, it was about a minute left. 
Let's see here. Yeah, here you go. So, with 25 seconds in the fourth quarter, I he's on his own 20-yard line, I get it. But in that situation, if you're Patrick Mahomes, you have to take care of the football. And and especially on the, on the last one he threw with 25 who, who Can someone please explain to me where in the heck was Patrick Mahomes throwing the football to? I mean, can, can somebody explain that to me, please? Can, can he explain? Can Andy Reid explain? Can the offensive coordinator explain? Where was he throwing the ball to? He threw it directly to him. I mean, and he gets all the comparisons and everybody wax poetic. Like he's the next Brett Favre. For a degree, he is. Good and bad. Because Brett Favre would make, would make a lot of those bonehead asinine throwing decisions too. You know, if, you know, first and 10, 20 seconds to have a 20-yard line. Hey, uh, let, let's not try to win the game. Phew, throw it down the field directly to him. And, and again, both secondaries in that game were atrocious. Okay, giving up the wide open passes left and right, J- allowing Jared Goff to basically have th- three weeks to you know make up his mind to find Robert Woods down the field, Patrick Mahomes same thing, allowing him to step up in the pocket, and basically take a sweet jolly good time and find Kareem Hunt. I mean the secondaries, both of them on both sides, they were they were disgusting. They were I mean they they were an absolute disgrace. But the first, but the, um, but the, but the first interception with a minute 20 left with Patrick Mahomes has to explain with a minute and 28 left in the game, you have the ball at their 49 yard line first and 10. It's fifty one fifty. It's fifty four fifty one. Why, in the name of all that is holy, is Patrick Mahomes throwing the ball? In period, and that even goes Andy Reid. But I'll get to him in a minute. It's triple coverage. I mean, I'm looking at it right now. There was three bright color rush yellow jerseys along. I believe Tyree Kill. There's three of them. Three. Or is Conley, Chris Conley. But three. Why are you throwing that? And it wasn't like, it was, the ball wasn't even contested. He threw it directly to him. I mean, come on, Holmes, let's go. I mean, I, he, I get it. He wants to be trying to make something happen. But he's right there. I mean, who are you throwing a football to? Can, can he explain to me, please? And then, the la- and then the last one of the game it made entirely no sense. I mean, but you have to, if you want, I get it, he's played well, I get everybody loves him. You have to take care of the football in that situation. I mean, you have to take care of the football. And a back-and-forth game like this, where teams have capitalized off of every single little itty-bitty mistake that they've made, you have to take care of the football in that situation. Bottom line, case closed. I want Andy Reid, who, uh, listen, 
Enough of him now. I mean, Andy, I get it, he's a nice guy, but Andy Reid, again, who does what he does best, choking, choking impressively in big games, whether it be playoff games, whether it be Super Bowl 39 against the Patriots in 2003, whether it be last year in the playoffs against Tennessee, whether it be a few years before that on the road against the Colts and Andrew Luck and Chuck Pagano, but Andy Reid, oh my gosh, hit! What is he doing? I mean, please, I mean, it's the same narrative. Whether it was him and Donovan McNabb throwing up, basically took an eternity. You know, acting like there was no clock in the world trying to beat Belichick back in 2003. But please explain to me. On a drive where Mahomes threw that first of two interceptions within the last minute and a half of the game, please explain to me with the ball on on the Rams' forty-nine yard line. Are you throwing the ball in that situation? You have Kareem Hunt. You have Kareem Hunt there. Well, why are you throwing it? Please ex- explain. You have you have three timeouts. The Rams, the Rams have all their timeouts used up. All, all the Rams' timeouts are juiced. All of them are used up. You have three timeouts. Minute 25, you have the ball at their 49-yard line. Why are you throwing the football there, Reed? Why are you throwing it? Why are you throwing the football? Why? Again, Andy Reid, great. If anyone tells you that Andy Reid's a Hall of Fame uh, head coach, you don't know football. That is an absolute coaching disgrace. Minute 25 left, you have three timeouts. Not one, not two, but three. Three timeouts. Rams have zero. You're down by a field goal. Not a touchdown, a field goal. Why are you throwing the football on first and 10 at your own 40, at at the Rams 49-yard line? Explain. Why? Run the ball, which you easily can milk 40 seconds to run. So it's less than a minute left. Maybe you run once. You want a little corner route towards Silent for at the middle of the field. You got <coughs> excuse me, throat skin dry. <coughs> you have three timeouts to work with. Run the ball. Work the clock. They have no timeouts left. Run the ball. Work the clock. <coughs> Excuse me. And at least, <clears throat> at least play for the tie. But what did they do? No, they don't do that. What they do, you know, first and 10, Rams 29, minute 25 left of the game, minute 28, whatever it was. They said Patrick Mahomes, you know, play action bootleg and basically throw it to like nine Rams players up in the, up in the, up in the middle of the field. 
but, 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 and that just wasn't the only thing Andy Reid spit the bed on, uh, Monday night. The sloppy, god-awful play of the Kansas City Chiefs. I told you, the secondary coverage was pathetic. Robert Woods wide open all over the place. Higby, same thing. I mean, all over the place. Jared Goff had a field day. I know I had him on fantasy. I was playing my brother in fantasy last day of fantasy. He was the only player going. Need a big game from him. Chiefs secondary didn't didn't let me down. P- pathetic open secondary all over the place. Linebackers didn't know what the heck their role was. Standing there like chickens with their head cut off, stuck in no man's land. You know, got Robert Woods running every which way. Jared Goff, you know, having, having, uh, basically from Monday, basically from the time he snapped the ball till when the ball struck midnight, New Year's Eve, to, he had all day to find open men down the field. Secondary didn't know what the heck they was doing. Linebacker, same thing, had no clue. Didn't try to get after Goff. Try to get after him. Didn't try to assist. You know, secondary. Like, I'm like, what are you guys doing? Like, you're standing there just looking, just spectating. Get your hands from between your legs, wake up, and play, let's play some football. But it wasn't just that. Too many penalties. I, I, listen, I recorded the game. I couldn't see it Monday night because I was extremely exhausted. Track practice, everything. Had I had, I said, I, I, I said it's gonna be a great game, but I can't stay up till midnight watching this. Recorded it, you know, and it's very hard in this day and age to try to keep yourself from, especially with how big sports in the NFL is. It's very hard to try to keep yourself from uh, knowing a result of a big game like this. I knew it was going to be a big-time, all-classic game heading into it, which is why I was like, nah, I can't afford to, like, half-watch. So anyway, I recorded it, and I tried my best. You know, a few of the, of the, of the, of the, of the you know, people at school tried to be funny, tried to spoil it for me. Half, you know, they half did to the point where they left out major details. But anyway, but I saw the game and I watched it last night because, of course, today I had the school off day, Thanksgiving, all this. But I watched it last night. And through the first drive of the game, Outside of a poor pass and interference call on, I believe, Orlando Skandrick on the first drive that the Rams had. Outside of that, the penalties for the Chiefs were an absolute disgrace. Oh, my God. With the penalties, holding, false starts, encroachment, offsides, pass interference. Oh, my gosh. Oh my. Can you play buttoned-up football, please? Enough with the, and that's why you can't say this like, you know, it was a great, but that's why you can't really wax poetic too much on the game, because the game was so doggone choppy, it was like a penalty, like, it was like a penalty within like every every minute of action. I mean, false starts, offsides, encroachment, neutrals, oh my God, Andy Reid, 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 clean up your play. I don't see, you know, you Belichick's team isn't un, isn't sloppy like this. 
penalties every single time you turn around. False starts. You know, pass every... Nah. -uh. You know, Steve... The, 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 Belichick, no. Lombardi, never. It's just undisciplined, stupid, dopey penalties every single time you turn around. I was like, gee whiz, man. All these penalties. My gosh, enough. Can you get through... Can you get through a solid... Two minutes of action without a penalty, please. Then it gets worse. Old lineman, when Patrick Mahomes had the fumbles, you know, would it kill one of those offensive linemen to fall on it? They're big guys. They got like little T Rex arms. They their hands is all their hands are you know they got the they don't have the little cool shiny sleek. You know, sleek, nice-looking receiver gloves that you know, Hunt, Kareem Hunt, and uh, Hill have on. No, they or they have the they have the thick, they have the thick, uh, bulky lineman gloves with like five pounds of tape all wrapped all over their their, their fingers and hands and everything else. You know, instead of looking like a bunch of idiots on. Instead of looking like I'm watching Looney Tunes, watching a bunch of amateurs who've never played football before, recovering fumbles, instead of you sitting up here and trying to pick the ball up, and you're sitting up here scurrying and kicking it all over around the field, how about fall on the football? And then Tyreek Hill. I mean, with the punts, picking the ball up from the one yard line, less than a minute left in the game. Still being trying to make something happen. Oh my God! Just take a knee, please. Take a knee. And he sits up here and he runs around all up and down the field with a chick with his head cut. And he basically he gets a lousy twenty yards that basically doesn't help him much. With under a minute left in the game. This team is not buttoned up, folks. And if they keep playing like this, it's going to be another short exit for them in January. Take a break, get to the Rams side of things, and I'll discuss this classic game as, as a whole. Back after this. Welcome back to Yamatel Akatiya's podcast with your host, Jai Shields. Let's touch on the Rams now after we uh, talk, after I talked about the uh, Chiefs. Let's start off with the premise of the idea that Jared Goff is a stud as an NFL quarterback. And you can see why the Rams front office drafted him in the first round back in 2016. Yeah, 16. This man... Is something special. He was 31 for 49, threw 413 passing yards, four touchdowns, no interceptions, but I think he fumbled once. Fumbled twice, excuse me. Twice, yeah. Fumbled twice. But he is a special, special player. I mean, the stats that he's put up this season, I mean, he is the heart and soul 
I mean, he's the franchise quarterback. And the Rams fans should be feeling very comfortable sitting at 10 and 1. He played well in that game. He was not bothered at all with the big crowd in Los Angeles. He was calm, cool, and collected. He knew what he had to do. He saw the business that he had to take care of. Wasn't bothered by the fact that it was the Monday Night Game of the Year. He got its highest rating of the season. All those screaming Rosh's fans in the Coliseum. He didn't get bothered by that one bit. And he, both quarterbacks were ready for primetime, but he was ready for primetime more because he had fewer turnovers than uh, Patrick Mahomes did, only two fumbles. But great performance out of Jared Goff. I mean, he is the real deal. He is what the future of NFL quarterbacks is going to be once Breeze, once Breeze, uh, Rivers, Brady, and uh, Rodgers uh, retire and move on with their lives. Item number two to get on here is Aaron Donald. Aaron Donald is a beast. He he only had two tackles, which were sacks in the game. But boy, were they key sacks. They were sacks that were strip sacks of Patrick Mahomes that led to Samson E. Buckham. Samson E. Buckham to have not one, but two scoop, which is recover, which was fumble recovery, and score, which is touchdown return. He wasn't on the stat sheet much, but when he was the two times with the two strip sacks, oh boy. Aaron Donald. He, in part, he was just as much as the Rams scoring 54 points as Jared Goff and uh, Robert Woods was. And Brandon Cooks as well. Hate rate reception is 107 yards. But he, two strip sacks, both led to touchdowns. That's 14 points on the board. 14 points that we're sitting up here talking about, you know, talking about the Chiefs and their win instead of the Rams and their win. And Aaron Donald's the best defensive player in the league, hands down. You can say he's the best player. And the way I look at it, I'm looking at it, hey, the Rams right now are, are you can, I don't want to hit the Eagles, no. You know, I think, I hope, I'm still holding a hope that they'll bounce back and try to save their season. The Eagles, no. Redskins, definitely not after Alex Smith broke his leg. Uh, Cowboys, <laughs> ain't, a, ain't, a, ain't a chance. And Jerry World. Heaven, hell, or Mars, they're making, no. Them, they're definite, no. The Bears, no. The Vikings, no. Kirk Cousins, again, spit the bit on uh, Sunday Night Football, no. Never, who never, by the way, never ever wins a big game. I don't care if he, 
if he's in a Redskin uniform, a Viking uniform, a Patriot uniform, a Cowboy uniform, in a, a marching band uniform, I don't care what uniform, no, Kirk Cousins, again, no, Vikings, no. Uh, Packers, no, their defense stinks. Again, Mike Mike Patton defense, C.J. Beth, 31 points, Monday Night Football, no. The Rams are a clear favorite to go to the NFC Championship game, and their counterpart to meet them is a, is the a team that they gave them their first loss, first and so far only loss of the season, and that was the New Orleans Saints, who have played phenomenous football, phenom, excuse me, phenomenal football as of late, and has continued after smothering the defending champions, the Smithereens, on Sunday. But I'll get to the Saints a little bit in a, uh, not in a little bit, but I'll get to them later on in the, in the program. But the Rams are favorites to go to the NFC Championship game. The second eight has to clean it up again. Patrick Mahomes, it, Patrick Mahomes, uh, Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey, and Conley cutting the, cutting them up like uh, like cheddar cheese left and right every single time you turn around. I mean, just wide open gaps right in the middle of the field. But the secondary has to clean up. But that defensive front, oh, boy, is that something to fear. If if you're if you're an offensive line, if you're a team that has to uh, go into the Coliseum and play them in January. Rams off to the best start, by the way, since 1969. Just to throw that stat at you. And like I said, Samson and Bakwam, who he has, he had two touchdowns. He had two touchdowns on that game. Like I said, he joined Chicago's Eddie Jackson as the only players with both in a, a pick six and a scoop and score in the same game in the last ten seasons. Aaron Donald has two games with over two sacks in 2016. Most of the NFL over that span. Again, best defensive player in the in the game right now. And Jared Goff has has two has two plus passing TDs in five straight games, tied for the longest tied for the longest season single season streak of his career. Oh, and about the game itself. 14 combined touchdowns were scored Monday, Monday night. The Bills have scored 13 total touchdowns this season. <laughs> oh, boy. But how great was the game, if you ask me? Well, it was the highest, Monday night, it was the highest rated Monday night football game since 2014. It broke the uh, Redskins and the and uh, Packers record back in eighty two eighty three that previously held the record for the highest scoring Monday Night Football game ever in the history of the uh, of the program since nineteen seventy, and it was also the first game in NFL history where both teams scored over fifty points in the same game. How great of the game was it? It was the best game of the it was the second best game of the year. Nah, I'll check that. It was the best game of the year. 
was better than Rams Saints a few weeks ago. It was the clearly the Monday Night Football game of the year. It's one of the best regular season games of the year, and but not nearly on the level of one of the greatest football games of all time. No, again, penalties, both primarily the Chiefs, but sloppy penalties, chopped up the game, play calling was a mess, especially on the Chiefs side, and the quarterbacks did not take care of the football. Mahomes more than golf, but that was the reason why I can't call this game an all-time one, of, like one of the all-time greatest football games of all time. Best regular se- best regular season game of the season so far. Best Monday night game of the year, hands down. But and a potential, and if these teams secondaries get themselves in shape, definitely you'll see them again. Come February. But best Monday night game of the year, yes. Best game of the year, yes. One of the best regular season games of all time, yes. Best game of all, one of the best, like, like up on that greatest game of all time, 58 championship game, not Super Bowl 49 type level, or even one, of, or not just even just football, one of the greatest games of all time. No, not even close. ESPN loved it though, highest rating in uh, four years, which is something they needed after they gave you a uh, tank bowl between the uh, Giants and 49ers the year before, or excuse me, the week before, and they're going to give you Texans and Titans, which isn't, you know, the matchup itself is, again, that AFC South is a weird division, but the matchup itself isn't that bad, you know, two teams that are fighting for first place in the division, so they give you back-to-back Decent, well, this one wasn't, it was more, it was better, 10 times better than decent, but it gave you back-to-back watchable, good, notable Monday night games of note late here, mid-late, in the midway to the late portion of the season to watch after after giving you, you know, Giants, Niners, and, uh, and that's just one, one of the bad games, just to name a few. But, Put that game to bed. I'll touch on my pathetic Cincinnati Bengals in a minute. Welcome back to the Amatel I Can Tell You's podcast with your host, Jai Shields. Switching gears to... My Cincinnati Bungles. And that's right, I called them the Bungles. Ladies and gentlemen, the 10 of you that are listening very well know that I am a diehard, serious, passionate Cincinnati Bengals fan. I first fell in love with the team in 2007. It's about five years old. I, you know, every especially every kid growing up in this Baltimore area, there, you know, it's, it's like religion. You know, you you you're growing up, 
you you well you, you grow up in a household you you groomed to you know you 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 groom to be a catholic you know you you, you read the bible you, you recite it you sing the catholic hymns and you go to mass and talk to the priests and everything else and you grow up in a household of you know, you put the cross on you, you walk around with the cross all day, you recite the Holy Mary, everything else. And then one day you decide, nah, I'm going to go a different route. And you go over, you join a different route, and you, you come home, and you're like, hey, I'm a Jew. Or, hey, I'm an Episcopal, I'm a uh, Baptist. You know, like that. You know, so you, you kind of make up your own mind after after what you've been groomed yourself and have been nurtured into thinking. You know, you you try to you know, fandom is like religion. You try to spread the you try to spread it to the next generation and groom it and grow it up in an environment that they fall in line with with you know whatever you are. Now with me, it was. Growing up with a bunch of Ravens fans. So what they do, they put me up in Ravens hoodies, you know, Ravens football, Raven memorabilia. I hated it. And I had this one aunt that tried to get me to be a Steelers fan. And somewhere around my household, there's like a... Picture of a three-year-old me wearing those disgusting silver and black colors. Oh, God. Steelers, I said, no thank you. To oh, God. Steelers, no thank you. Oh, God, no. Ravens, I say, yeah, I had enough. Please, this this color purple. Oh, my God, it gives me a headache. Enough. I couldn't, I, I couldn't stand the color purple just because just looking at it. Oh, my God, this color. Oh, Jesus, purple. Oh, my God, enough. So what I do, no Ravens, no Steelers. They, they weren't dumb enough to, you know, put me with the Browns. That, that was not happening at all. But I decided to chose my own path in being a Cincinnati Bengals fan. Primarily because my favorite baseball team, which in baseball is my first love, or, you know, always has been. First sport I ever fell in love with, and the first team I ever fell in love with is my hometown Baltimore Orioles. So I became a Bengals fan because they have the same color as my Orioles. They remind me of my Orioles, and I love the Orioles so much that I saw the Orioles in the Cincinnati Bengals. They had the same colors. So I said, hey, I'm a Bengals fan. Why not? Remember, my aunt took me to my first uh, football game ever, really. And first Bengals game, it was here in Baltimore 2007, I believe it was the game where Shane Graham made either six or seven field goals, I can't remember, but it was six or seven field goals in a game. And they beat the Ravens back in 2007, never forget it. Had and then we had the whole and 
and then we, uh, after the game, went outside of the stadium and had all the Bengals uh, sign my hat, sign my little hat I had on that day. Having that happen in my room right now, as a matter of fact. Try to get Chad Johnson's signature, but, you know, he had better ideas. Sports car pulls up, and he revs his way on, on up out of there. So, no autograph from uh, Chad Johnson for yours truly. I've gone to that game. Went to the game in 2016 where Andy Dalton pissed down his leg and stunk up the joint. I've seen many a games with the many of playoff heartbreak. 2009 at home against the Jets. 2011 and 12 back to back with the new quarterback Andy Dalton. Against on the road against the Houston Texans back to back years 2011 2012 2013 win a division lose to the Chargers at home 2014 no AJ Green on the road lose against the Colts. And then came 2015. 2015 was a great year for if you were a Cincinnati Bengals fan to a certain point, looking in retrospect. We started 8 0 that season. The Houston Texans ended our eight game winning streak when we played them on Monday Night Football, coming out of our bye week, which we never win. Marvin Lewis coming out of a bye week. That's a recipe for disaster. Having two weeks to prepare for a game and you... Anyway. Had a great season. Almost beat the eventual Super Bowl champs, Denver Broncos, with Brock Osweiler, quarterback. That game went in over. Almost beat them on Monday Night Football two days before Christmas. Remember that game well. AJ McCarron fumbling the football and basically waving the white flag says, uh, Catherine Webb, uh, I need my uh, tub and my uh, 16 ounce ribeye and the rub down, please. Thank you. And he basically, uh, you know, didn't play bad, but gave up the fumble that cost us the game. Von Miller, of all people. Won our division. Went on to play that wild card game. And that wild card game. That was the game I honestly thought. It was over. All the jokes. All the nitpicking and the ridiculing and the rants from Stephen A. Smith and everything else. Oh, you guys bungle, 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 bungles, 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 bagels, bagels, bungle, and all that sort of stuff. 
can never win primetime, never win a playoff game. You have to hear about 1990, you know, 2005 against the Steelers, 9 against the Jets, 11 and 12 against the Texans, 13 Chargers, 14 Colts. But we felt this year was different. We honestly thought we had a legitimate shot of winning the Super Bowl. And when A.J. Green scored that touchdown with about a minute 50 left in the game, if I remember correctly, A.J. McCarron at quarterback, who I am not worried by any stretch because I'm like, well, if there's anybody that's going to snap this string of playoff bad luck, it's a guy that's won about th- three national championships with Nick Saban at uh, Alabama. And it's Adrian McCarron. But when A.J. Green made, caught that touchdown pass, I thought finally the world lifted off of our shoulders. Until we got Big Ben out of there, but until Jeremy Hill fumbled that football. When he fumbled that football and they started driving, and then the penalties came. The one on perfect. With the hit on Antonio Brown. Then Adam Pac-Man Cannot believe it was happening again. Honestly. Honestly. I was. 13 years old at the time. Honestly. I could not live with myself for the rest of the weekend. Just the lack of discipline and the lack of self-awareness. Also with the ref ball that was involved. I said, now, if there's any time where it's time to get rid of Marvin Lewis, it was after that game and that absolute implosion. Since then, 2016, Bengals went 6-9-1 that season. 2017, 7-9. 2018, I really 
see the writing on the wall. I'm like, man, this team is, we'll be lucky if we go 9-7. and seven. But I, this season has 7-9 written all, 7-9, 8-8 written all over it. Because I'm a realist. I'm not delusional. I'm not, you know, Super Bowl every year. I know what my team's strengths and weaknesses are. And I know what their capability is. Because I've been burned too many times. And I know football way, way too well to not know the strengths and weaknesses of my football team. But then something happened. It started week one. Fedulum with the scoop and score to ice the game in week one against the Colts. Then week two, and A.J. Green's three-touchdown performance. And we hit a wall in Carolina. Okay. That's fine. Then the Falcon game. It was, oh, we have, oh, it's going to be like that now? Okay. I loaded our guns. Make sure our weapons were in order. And we went to war and we went to fight. And then with about three minutes and change left, Andy Dalton and those boys went to work and used literally every single second driving down that field. And A.J. Green, who went to Georgia himself, Caught the game-winning touchdown, and we beat the Falcons 37-36. Then the next week, coming back from 17 down at home against the Dolphins. And our defense basically telling Andy Dalton, I got you. We got this. Stay right there on the bench, Andy. We got this one this time. And they beat them 27-17. Ever since that game, that was October the 7th, week 5, which is when that game was played. Ever since then, Cincinnati Bengals have played like pure D crap. I don't know whether it was the curse that putting us on prime time against the Chiefs or what, but Steelers game, we stuck with them. Scored a touchdown. It was, we finally can beat Pittsburgh. <laughs> Wrong. What What is our genius Daryl Tao run? Uh, cover zero. Antonio Brown. Rest is history. 28-21, we take the L. Kansas City Chiefs going in there. Defense forgets how to tackle. Daryl Terrell, whatever his dopey name, he doesn't know how to do his job. He has his head in the toilet. Patrick Mahomes and Kareem Hunt's hurling over people. <clears throat> take the L there. 45-10. to 10. 
And at this rate, I'm like, oh, Lord, here we go again. I am so angry and so disgusted that at this point, we were sitting at four and three. And I'm like, season's over. At four and three, with still a, a fifth seed playoff spot, I'm like, season's over. I'm, I'm seeing the writing on the walls, the painful memories coming back. I'm like, this is, I'm like, it's happening again. Now, it's, when you're a fan of a team for so long and you're accustomed to their constant BS that they give you time and time and time again, single season, single season after another, it's only a matter of time until you start being a naysayer against your own will, pretty much. Buccaneers game. Defense comes out. Hot, man. Starts. Starts. You know, just... On fire. James, famous Jameis serving up the turnovers and the interceptions. and He's out the game. The game, I thought we were supposed to win easy. <clears throat> Wrong. It was either we bungled again or it was Fitz Magic. And we barely won a game 37-34. Bye week. AJ Green's out with a toe injury. I know that, and I told you right here, we never win coming off of a bye week. And AJ Green's not in the lineup, we don't win. So the Saints game, I'm like, well, this is a butt whooping waiting to happen right here. Soon enough, they didn't fail to disappoint. 51-14. So then that leads us to the Raven game. The Raven game, if you recall, we beat them in week two on Thursday night, 34-23. A.J. Green, who had three touchdowns in that game, in the first half alone, he's out with the toe injury. And if there's our secret weapon of beating the Ravens, it's A.J. Green. If you can recall the last time we stepped foot in San Francisco Bank Stadium, it was New Year's Eve, 2017, week 17, missed 4th and 12th. We ended the Ravens season right there. Dalton to Tyler Boyd on a 4th and 12th. About 50 seconds left in the ball game. Joe Flacco is was out with the hip injury. Lamar Jackson gets his first rookie start. I'll get to him in the, in the next segment. What does he do? Now keep in mind, we fired our defensive coordinator. Marvin Lewis is now defensive coordinator. And he has Hugh Jackson back. You tell me, ladies and gentlemen, 
What does Lamar Jackson do against the Cincinnati Bengals defense at home in his first career NFL start? 26 rushing attempts. He ran for 119 yards! Passing-wise, 13 for 19 for 150 passing yards. Oh, it gets worse. Gus Edwards. Who? What? Yeah, I thought the same thing. Gus Edwards. Who you couldn't pick out of a lineup if your life depended on it. Rushed for 17 times for 115 yards. Really? You fire your defensive coordinator. And all I'm hearing over the bra while Marvin Lewis is tossing and turning because he knew he, he knew something needed to be done. And we couldn't and he knew that we couldn't keep going the same way. So you have a response after firing a defensive coordinator, promoting yourself to defensive coordinator your own dog on self. Your response in your first game in your new role is allowing Lamar Jackson in his first career NFL start. To run for to rush for 119 yards for 26 carries and to have Gus Edwards, who you couldn't name if if who you couldn't name if you saw him walking down Utah Street downtown and you allow him to rush for 115 yards and a touchdown. Really? But no, nah, I'm a Bengals fan. I'm supposed to. I'm. I'm supposed to. You know, I'm a Bengals fan. I, I. I'm. I'm supposed to accept this. I'm supposed to accept this constant, pathetic, disgusting levels of ineptitude from the same group of bums every single week. Enough. Okay, I, I've tried to keep, but I can't take this anymore. I, I'm done. I am done putting up with this team's garbage. Ineptitude with the defense. Really? 262 rushing yards on the ground? And you expect me to stomach this crap? You must be kidding me. His rookie, his first career NFL start, 119 rushing yards. It was 13 for 19 throwing. Lamar Jackson and Gus Edwards became the first rookie QB and running back duo 
with 100 plus yards in the same game since 1970. The Bengals allowed the most rushing yards in a game since week 4 of 2001 against the Pittsburgh Steelers. You must be kidding me! But now I'm a Bengals fan. I'm supposed to stomach this. No, this is supposed to be normal. I'm supposed to have to put up with Mike Brown putting Marvin Lewis as my coach every single year! That's fine. That, that, I have to put up with that as a Bengals fan. I have to sit up here, me and all a lot of other Bengals fans that live in this area, that live in Pennsylvania, that live in Kentucky, that live in Ohio, that live God knows where else across the United States of America. We have to go to bed and lay our head to pillow every single night and after every single game, knowing Marvin Lewis is our coordinator, knowing that he knows that, knowing full well his levels of ineptitude have peaked to such a strong degree that if it ain't that if he's high plus doesn't get fired soon, that Roger Goodell should step in and take care of his form. Because I don't know what the heck Mike Brown and that dopey family up in Cincinnati is doing besides running this franchise into the ground. Because that's basically all they're doing. What they might as well do is tell all the season ticket holders and all the Cincinnati Bengals fans that exist they have to put up with this garbage. You might as well tell them to lie down on on a on a Paul Brown Stadium parking lot. Have Mike Brown zip unzip his pants, pull out his pull out his his old uh his old Peter and his old shriveled up Peter, and have him piss all over the the Cincinnati Bengals fans and and tell them to go stick it. Cause I can tell you right now, as sure as I'm sitting here. That ain't no difference what you're doing now. Because it looks like you could give a crap about the fan base. You could give a crap about the city of Cincinnati. You could give a crap about the state of Ohio. You could give a crap about the people who just want to see good football from the Cincinnati Bengals franchise. You don't care. Stop sitting here trying to pretend that you do. You don't care. You do not care. It shows every single week, every single time you turn around. It's the same dopey levels of ineptitude from these dopes. And I'm tired of it. Marvin Lewis, enough! Go away! You explain to me... Explain, Mike Brown. You explain to me why you brought back Marvin Lewis after back-to-back 79 seasons, and before that, you had a streak from 2011 to 2015 of not even, not even to, 
of a streak from 11 to 2015 of wild card first round playoff defeats. Especially the one from 2015 where you had the lead, had a chance to actually break this string of playoff ineptitude. And what did you do? You folded like a cheap tent. That's what happened. You pissed down your leg. Your horse crapped all over yourself. And play like pure D straight garbage. And yet you bring her back on a two-year extension. What the heck is wrong with you? You think your father, Paul Brown, be proud of this crap? No, he wouldn't. Because Paul Brown would have enough common sense and would have enough and would, and would have enough dignity and enough pride in what he does for a living and the franchise that is the Cincinnati Bills, even his own name, Paul Brown. He would have enough pride and enough dignity of his own name and his in his own trademark to not have fans pay money. And have to be susceptible and have to come on a television every single Sunday from September to December, putting up and watching and dealing with this nonsense. Enough! Do something! Get rid of them! Please! He's hindering. Please. Can Mike. Please. Can Mike Brown. Please. Go away. Please. And I'll be the first one. Get Mike, Let's get Mike Brown in a little box. Measure. Put him in a box. Dig a hole. Throw some dirt. Please. Enough. I've, I'm sorry to sit up here and sound cruel. But please. Please. He's worth the Peter Angelos. Angelos at least is, is showing some decency with the Orioles. He got he got to get out of there, and he and he's got a few guys, and he's got assistant GMs and assistant to the assistant GM from Houston, who's won a championship, who knows what winning is, who has a recent fresh taste of winning that's in their mouth. So as much as I'd like to get on Angelos, at least it looks like that Angelos gives a crap about the fans. Because you know what? He isn't sitting up here and leaving the organization the way, way it was and the way it has been. Yes, he screwed up with Chris Davis. Yes, he screwed up Manny Machado. But I guarantee you, it looks like the Warriors front office has learned their lesson. And don't look now, but don't be surprised if the Orioles have a championship within the next five to ten years. Cause it looks like they're starting to put the proper pieces in place to win to try to win their first championship since '83. You're the Bengals, you've done nothing since 1990. Well, you beat the lousy Houston Orleans who aren't even a team anymore. The last time you won the Super Bowl was 1988. And even then, you bungled down your pants. 
It's enough. Quit farting around. Mike Brown, get Marvin Lewis out of there and get out of his, get his hot bus out of there now. Show some guts. Have the balls to fire him. You content with this nonsense? And then what is and then what is why nobody shows him at the games? Because the fans have enough common sense that we're not gonna keep on supporting and spend our hard-earned money on this nonsense. This ain't this constant ineptitude. Enough! My God! It's the same story every single week. Marv, get your hands some in between. Please. Enough. Either Mike Brown sell the team or Mike Brown... Fire Marvin Lewis. It's enough. It's long overdue. How many proofs, how many pieces of evidence do you need to see that as far as getting his team to the promised land is concerned, Marvin Lewis is not the is is clearly not the right guy to lead the Cincinnati Bengals to the promised land. How many examples do you need to see that? When they play big time teams, they fall on their face. How does he football do all the, the, the Saints? They collapsed and played dead. Chiefs, Sunday night on the road, 45 to 10. And don't get me started on when they play the Patriots or the Steelers. Enough. Show some guts for a change. Chase, come on. Pay attention. It's your team. It is your franchise. It is your bread and butter. It's what keeps a roof over your head. It's what pays your bills. It makes it it makes sure you have clothes on your back to make which allows your back to make good with. Take some show some pride. Enough! Running this organization to the ground. God, I'm so sick and tired of going to school and they're like, bangles suck, bangles suck, bangles suck. Oh, the bungles, the bungles. Oh, you, the, you see the bungles get me for the Raiders? Oh, let them do the, the. Shut up! I'm sick of hearing that. I've been, I'm sick of turning off first stake and hearing Stephen A. Smith say ad infinitum over and over and over again that Marvin Lewis needs to be fired. I'm sick of it. I hate that my team is, is such shriveling ineptitude. I can't stand it. It makes me sick. I can't stand sitting up here watching other teams Lift and hoist the Vince Lombardi trophy at the end of every season. It makes me sick. You think you think I'll find pleasure of, of, of looking at opposing teams? You think I'll find pleasure while looking at Brady lift up all those Vince Lombardi trophies over these years? You think I'll find pleasure doing that? Nick Foles and Eagles even? 
Now I have a beef with the Eagles, but my God, it was, they finally won their first thing. The Ravens have been the most youngest NFL team. Been around since 96. They have two championships in this freaking millennium. They have more Hall of Famers in the Hall of Fame than the Cincinnati Bengals do. Look it up. The Ravens have Ogden and they have Ray Lewis. We only have one. Offensive lineman, Anthony Munoz. Ravens have two. About to have three because Ed Reeves is probably going to get in. It's enough. Put up with Steelers fans. Six Super Bowls, six Super Bowls. Me, Joe Green, Jack Lambert, Terry Bradshaw, Len Swan, Steel Curtain, Franco. Oh my, Antonio Brown, Ben Roethlisberger, Coward, no, enough! Please! Just show that you care! Enough! Can you play solid football? Can you, and not solid football, you know, if you want to from September to October. I mean, solid football against solid opponents, top-tier opponents, opponents that are competing for championships. Can you win a game without A.J. Green not in the lineup? Can you win a game after coming out of a bye week? Can you win a game when you face some adversity? Can you discipline yourself and not make stupid penalties, Vontez Perfect? And get yourself in, in stupid little uh, fracases where, where, you don't need, where, you, where you don't need to be. Can you show up on Sunday Night Football? Can you show up on Monday Night Football? When you finally make the playoffs, can you do something besides, besides embarrass yourselves in front of America? Because all you do is you go to the playoffs and you show America how inept you are because unlike the regular season where it's by marketed where the games are shown, playoffs is shown in front of everybody. I can I can turn on the TV last Sunday at one o'clock on the C, on the local CBS and find Bengals Ravens. I go down to the inner DC area, turn on CBS. I get I get Houston. I get Houston and Washington. Go down to Florida. I get Pittsburgh and Jacksonville. Playoff time. It doesn't matter if I'm in Baltimore, Chicago, Los Angeles, Tampa. Uh, Albuquerque, New Mexico, or Portland, Maine. I turn on all of those affiliates I get. Turn on. Nationwide, you can see the battles in aptitude. When they advertise against the battles, would be like, Tune in Sunday on CBS. You can see the Cincinnati Bengals really embarrass themselves in the plows in front of America. Jeff Nance and Tony Rubble on the call on CBS. It's enough. Act and show like you care, please. Either Mike Brown sell the team or get rid of Marvin Lewis. Or if none of the two, Goodell step in and take care of this. Because all it looks like Mike Brown is doing is running this. I can't even use the word pristine because you have nothing to be pristine and, and, and prestigious about. You have nothing. You've never tasted anything.
But if none of those two, you got to get Goodell in here and try to save us. Because the fans aren't stupid. We see the writing that's on the wall. Still one is Mike Brown that's, that's got the nerve with a straight face to leave us acceptable to this crap. Please, had it with these bombs in their ineptitude. Andy Dalton, oh my gosh almighty. 19 for 36, 211. Can we have a quarterback, please? Joe Mixon, 12 carries, 14. Really? Tyler Boyd, four seconds for seven. Really? And please explain to me on a fourth and seven, less than a minute to go in the game, if not a little more, I can't remember. But please explain to me why the heck is Cody Carr in the game? Why? I know AJ Green is hurt. But why? Why is he in the game? A special table. Why is he in the game? And why is Angel's first choice is to throw to him? You know, those are right in between the shoulders, and it's like throwing him a wet bar of soap. I'm going tell who. Oh, I, 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 oh, I, oh, I can't catch it. And he drops the ball. It's just the same idiots that let Mohamed Sanu go off to, to uh, Atlanta and let Marvin Jones go off to Detroit. My God. How much, how much ball can one fan, can expect one fan to take? I can't take this. It's enough. My God. This constant ineptitude. I've had enough. Please. And Mike Brown, if you don't care, sell the team, gosh darn it. Sell it to someone who cares about the organization that's going to sit up here and try to make the Cincinnati Bengals a winner. Because there's nothing you've experienced since you've owned this godforsaken team. Come back, I'll talk about why I think Lamar Jackson should stay the QB for Baltimore. Back after this. So needs to go in and see if, you know, if uh, Mike Brown is okay. Mike Brown, are you okay? Are you okay? Are you okay, Mike? Okay, Mike Brown. Are you okay? Are you okay, Mike? Oh, God, my God.
Just the dead man running the Cincinnati Bengals organization, let me tell you. But uh, anyway, welcome back to the Amitalia TIS podcast. Switching gears, we'll stay on that Bengals-Ravens game, but we'll switch gears to Lamar Jackson, who made his first career NFL start uh, Sunday. Went 13 for 19, threw for 150 yards, and ran for 119 rushing yards. Didn't have a touchdown, though, which I'm sure he'd like to get, but he didn't. Uh, my thoughts on him being starting quarterback, they play the, uh, they play the Raiders this week, so that should be an easy game for them to win, to move to, back up to 500, which they haven't been at for a good, for a good while. Um, see, they play the Raiders this week. They played, then they're on the road against the Falcons and Chiefs. Chiefs game, they are going, they are not winning, I'm sorry. But they have the Falcons, Chiefs, Buccaneers, Chargers, and Browns. So they got one more divisional game, and it's at home week 17 against the Browns. But they're done with divisional play, and they have, but outside the Browns game, it's two NFC South opponents and two AFC West opponents, and then it's the Browns, but they're done playing Cincinnati, and they're done playing Pittsburgh for 2018. So, obviously, you start Lamar Jackson week two. I mean, I, that's just me. I'm, and uh, and he said, you know, he's going to be he's going to be throwing, so like, he's like, so he told the media after practice today, he's like, we're going to be throwing the ball, so to see Lamar Jackson show off his arm, and that'll really be it. Really, if I'm the Raven, uh, the Ravens fans, really, they do not want to see Joe Flacco again. I'm gonna tell you that right now, at even preseason, it was let's get Lamar Jackson up there. Let's go. I know what I'm talking. Lived here my whole life. Work, wor- I work with Baltimore Ravens fans. I go to school with Baltimore Ravens fans. I have Baltimore Ravens fans in my family. I have friends who are Baltimore Ravens fans. I used to go to school with Baltimore. I know Baltimore Ravens fans, and they do not want to see Joe Flacco out on that on the field, really, again, for the rest of the season under any circumstances. And if Lamar Jackson gets hurt, God forbid, they'd rather see RG3 than see Joe Flacco. They are done with Joe Flacco. I'm just saying it right now. And Harbaugh realized he can't necessarily make his quarterback decision on what the fans necessarily want is for the good of the team. But I'm telling them right now that, you start Lamar this week, which is what he's doing. Joe Flacco, I love practice again. Really, I'm starting Lamar Jackson rest of the season if I am uh, John Harbaugh. Now, my opinion could be altered depending on what he does throwing-wise, especially against the Raiders on Sunday, who stink. But if I'm Harbaugh, I'm starting Lamar Jackson because maybe that could be the little... The little spark lightning in a bottle that the Ravens need in order to propel them into the playoffs, and we all know once Ravens get into get into the playoffs, it's uh, beware who's ever standing within the tracks because Ravens get into the playoffs, they can become a dangerous team. But I think Flacco's gotten a little stale. I don't think he, uh, 
I think his time in Baltimore, his days in Baltimore are numbered. I don't think he was the quarterback that he once was when he got that mega contract back after he won the Super Bowl back in 2012. I think they need a new guy in there, and I think Lamar Jackson is the perfect guy that they need, that they, uh, that the Ravens need, and uh, if he gives out, a, if he puts on a good performance on Sunday, expect to see uh, Lamar. I at least for me, you should see Lamar Jackson have a starting quarterback job for the Ravens in a long, long time. Shifting gears over to the NFC, still keeping with the quarterback talk. Uh, last week in the Redskins, tough loss to the. Texans at home last week, 23-21. They lost their starting quarterback, who they traded for the week before the Super Bowl back in February. Uh, Alex Smith they traded for. He unfortunately broke his leg last week. Had to have immediate surgery after the game. Which definitely shakes up the NFC East race for the division. Smith completes the season, completes 62% of his passes, has 200, you know, the end of the season has 200, has, has, uh, excuse me, 2,180 passing yards, 10 touchdowns, 5 interceptions. Redskins are still in first place with the record of 6-4, and four. They are a game up on the Cowboys, who they've beaten already this year at home, and who they play tomorrow afternoon on Thanksgiving Day. The game can be seen on your on Fox. Um, but the division still is, and even to the delusional Giants fans, who somehow think Odell Beckham Jr. thinks he can run the table. And to make it to nine and seven and win the division. Oh God Almighty! Please hold down, please, 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 please. You're putting too much of that of that bleach or blonde hair dye in your hair. Please get a clue, please. But the division race is still wide open. I mean, the Redskins have the best division record so far at two and zero. The Eagles, who got mauled by the by the Saints on Sunday. They have to straighten up and fly right, but it starts sooner rather than later because they still, as sitting at four and six, they still have a legitimate shot to win to win the NFC East for the second year in a row. While the Cowboys, while we all thought that they were down for the count, blow the thing up, fire Garrett, you know, everything's all smothered in smithereens. Well, ever since that Titans implosion on Monday Night Football a few weeks ago, uh. They played solid football. They uh, they beat they beat the uh, they came back and beat the Falcons last week, game with a field goal, and then week before that they walked into Philadelphia and uh, really dominated. Even though the final score didn't show that much, but they really went into Philadelphia and dominated the Eagles. And this division looks wide open right now, if you ask me. Redskins, they have to. They, it's they have to beat. This is a must-win game for the, for the Redskins. They have to. If they want to, if they want to feel better about winning this division, and if they want to put themselves in a better, 
state of mind with Colt McCoy at quarterback and Mr. Butt Fumble Sanchez himself in the backup. They have to win. They have to win these next, at least these next two games again on the road against the, these next two games. Next three, if you wanted to push it against the Giants, but I think they'll handle you know, the Giants. Even you never know too, but they're not running the table. But these next two games between and on the road against the Cowboys, and Eagles, they have to take care of business. So, I mean, if they want to win this division, and if they want to show us, the football fans in the football world, that they're a real deal. They have to walk into Dallas tomorrow and beat the Cowboys. And then come December 3rd, walk into Philadelphia, I believe it's 8-15. I think that's a Sunday night game, if not a Monday night game. But they have to walk into, but they have to walk into uh, Philadelphia and, and beat the, and beat the, uh, and beat the Eagles. I mean, if they want, if they want to be in a good standing, win the division, and really like nail the coffin and to tell uh, the Cowboys and the Eagles to go stick it and forget about it, they have to win these next two games on the road. I mean, so I know they got Colt McCoy quarterback, and they're going against the Eagles, who trying to dig themselves out of a hole that they put themselves in, and 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 dealing with the Cowboys, who are have momentum heading into this game, winning two straight and. Zeke playing well and everything, Dak not playing half bad, and with the injury to Alex Smith, I know they ha I know they have all the momentum, but it's a that's a Monday night game between the, I tell you that's that's a that's a good Monday night game right there, week thirteen. So it looks like so it looks like uh, it looks like ESPN will get a trifecta of uh, three straight good uh, Monday night football games. Which is something that this that you really don't see, and and I forgot to bring this up when I discussed it in my opening monologue, but uh, excuse me, but uh, the uh, but the NFL should uh, and ESPN they, they should take note of what of the reaction they got from Monday Night's game. I mean, Twitter was erupting over that game. Oh my gosh, people at school couldn't shut up. I'm like, guys, please, I recorded. Do not tell me how this game ends. I know, I know it was great. I know it's fantastic, but please don't tell me how this game ends. Matter of fact, the geez, they got four. Depending on how the Vikings and the Seahawks play, Week Fourteen it could be a good Monday night game. So really, ESPN is if everything breaks right, and if the Panthers, you know, and Ron Rivera that ass in our decision to go for two, they oh my god! But if the Panthers make a quick turn. ESPN has a decent lineup of uh, good Monday night games towards the end of the season. Week 16 be their last one. Week 15, it's uh, a week's the last game of the season is an absolute bust. They got Raiders and Broncos last Monday night game of the season on Christmas Eve. But from week what from uh, week 11 to week 15, especially if everything breaks right between the uh, Panthers and the Vikings and the Seahawks and everything. ESPN and if the uh, Eagles and if the Eagles and Redskins don't fall off, e ESPN could have a string of of really great, of not great but good watchable competitive games with playoff implications. Really, really what they really should have, you know, you like oh, such a surprise. Well, I know because that's really what it should have. This should be their standard to put on a, to uh, put on intriguing. 
to put on intriguing matchups with the playoff implications, especially this late in the season. Should put those games on Monday Night Football instead of farting around with Giants and Niners. But NFL should use it as a blueprint to uh, put marquee Monday Night games on really for, like, for the rest of the season. Get, see, see, it got them their highest rating since 2014. But anyway, uh, that's getting off the beaten path. But back to the Redskins. They have to win these next two games against the uh, and the Eagles, which would be a tough game for them to win going into Philly Monday night, which they never do well on. But they have to win these next two games, starting, of course, taking care of business against the Cowboys on Christmas Day. Definitely. Take a break. Go talk some basketball. There's drama brewing in uh, Golden State. Could the band be breaking up? And it looks like the uh, sparks have already been lit underneath the hind parts of Draymond Green and Kevin Durant. I'll discuss right after this. Welcome back to the Amatel I Can Tell you Is podcast. Switching gears now to the NBA and what's in the beef going on between Draymond Green and uh, Kevin Durant in, in Golden State. So, unless you, in case you're living under a rock, let me uh, set the stage for you. Uh, last week, uh, the Warriors were playing the Clippers. Uh, Draymond Green gathered a defensive rebound in the final seconds of of the tie of the, the game was tied, and dribbled the ball up the court before losing control of the ball without taking a shot. Kevin Durant can be seen slapping his hands if you watch the video, calling for the ball. Clippers beat Warriors 121-116 in overtime. They exchanged they exchanged the word they exchanged words, went into the locker room, and argued on the team bus. Uh argued late, challenged this decision making. Both they called each other B words and everything else. And then Draymond Green says we what you what you beefing about, you know? If we we want like we won without you, I mean we we've won, we've done things without you. We don't need you. If you don't like it how it is here, go ahead and leave. Now first things first. Draymond Green, well first off he's right. They have won without Kevin Durant. They didn't need him. They won seventy three games without him. Won a championship. They don't need. Kev, I mean. Not they need Kevin Durant, so Draymond to a certain extent needs to be careful what he wishes for, and Kevin and and Kevin Durant blowing smoke up everybody's hind parts. How come about this will not affect? Oh come on, Kevin, please, please. As soft and as sensitive as you are, that that will affect your free agency. And if you and if you and if you honestly having the, sit up here having the nerve with a straight face sit up here and and lie and blow smoke. And mirrors up everyone's hot pot, saying it has nothing to do with it. Please, you're a fraud and a phony. More, just, just as more as you at, as you were after taking the easy way out and going to Golden State. Please, but he is the best player on the team. So, Draymond, be careful what you wish for. But in Durant's case, when Durant wants the ball, give him the ball. Draymond Green, who stinks. It is an awful, 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 god-awful, putrid, crappy defensive, or not defensive, 
offensive player who stinks with the ball in his hands. They let him take a few threes and then in the slam to be nice, you know, as is him joining uh, joining and being the side act in the, in the Warriors circus. But he is stinks as an offensive player. So when Kevin Durant wants the ball, gosh darn it, give him the basketball when he wants it. But Kevin Durant, oh my, can, can you be a little more manly and, and, and show some guts and 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 grow and uh, and uh, can your balls drop and can you grow a pair, please, please? I mean, can can you grow up and man up and quit acting like a baby, Kevin Durant? Can, can you please, please? Would it kill you? I mean, this is the same guy that has a burner account because he's so doggone freaking sensitive about some 16-year-old sour Thunder fan that, you know, likes would likes to basically rib on Kevin Durant because, you know, he tied his shoes a certain way before the game started. And, it, and he sits up here and creates fake burner accounts because he's so soft and sensitive. He has to, he has to fire back at, at the dopey fans that have nothing else better to do than to troll Kevin Durant on social media. I mean, this is the same Kevin Durant. The same immature, soft, bombers boy who can't get Wanda Durant from 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 underneath his shoulder, from underneath his arm. Please, Kevin Durant. This is what I have to say. Draymond Green, shut up, okay? Please, quit sitting up here and trying to start beef. Please, you're headache enough on that team. Enough. Quit sitting up here and trying to start beef and trying to and and basically lighting the fire to Durant. To basically leave Golden State. Because you leave Golden State. That's the end of the Warriors dynasty. I'm telling you that right now. That's time number one. And when he and when Durant wants the ball. Give him the basketball. Please. And Kevin Durant. Who needs to learn how to, how to grow a pair. And to quit acting like a soft. Immature mama's boy. Man child. Needs to learn how to grow a pair. Grow up and be, and be a man. And quit acting like a child. With Durant, oh my gosh, he is ridiculous. Oh my god, leaving his mama to fight his battles with him beefing with Stephen A. Smith. Oh my god, Durant, please grow a pair. Would it be a man? You are a professional basketball player, make who gets paid an arm and a leg, not to mention shoe deals to play basketball. Grow some nuts. Please. Moving back to the NFL, uh, Kirk Cousins is moving on to Sunday night game. That was this past Sunday. Uh, I'm here to tell you, ladies and gentlemen, that Kirk Cousins stinks. And Kirk Cousins is overpaid and overrated. And if you know me, and if I've and if you know me, and I've talked to you about this, I've said it for a good long time. Now. Kirk Cousins can't. Kirk Cousins can't play a big primetime game or a big playoff game or a big game of any of any uh, capacity if his life depended on it. He is awful, awful, awful in a big game. No, all 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 Kirk Cousins is is a rich, a rich man's version of Andy Dalton. Andy, I mean him and Andy Dalton, they're they're like one and the same. They they're they're at their average their average their average Joe quarterbacks who can show signs of of uh, 
and show flashes of greatness at times against sub-seer inferior opponents. But when it's time to, when the big lights are shining and Carrie Underwood would say game on Sunday Night Football or if it's a game against a, against a solid opponent who, who's got some stuff or and or it's the playoffs, they both fold like a they both uh fold like a cheap suit. They they they, they fold lie over lie down and play dead. Oh my gosh, Kirk Cousins stinks. Oh my god, and the score wasn't even that close. I don't don't give me this, you know, touchdown at the end of the game and it meant nothing. Oh my god, Kirk Cousins stinks. I've I've had enough of. Thirty for twenty six, thirty for forty six, two sixty two, two touchdowns, two interceptions. Kirk Cousins plays. Oh my gosh! Enough, enough, enough. I've I've had it with Kirk Cousins. Gee, that that's, and I I don't understand the Vikings getting rid of being so eager to get rid of Case Keenum into being so eager to sign Kirk Cousins. Oh my gosh! That that's that's gonna that's gonna set the team back a few years. Signing Kirk Cousins. Oh my gosh. But the Bears' defense is no joke. Even and it looks like Mr. and Mr. Biscuit looks like he looks like he won't play tomorrow. But I think the I'll get to that pick that game later. But I think the uh, but that's going to be a reason why I think the Bears going to win because that defense is no joke. Led by Khalil Mack, who you know if you weren't listening to Chris Collinsworth, who basically thought Khalil Mack was Lawrence Taylor. Can we ease up on a Lawrence Taylor comparisons, please? I mean, he he ain't he ain't a patch on Lawrence Taylor's. You finish the sentence, ain't a patch, ain't a patch, ain't a patch. Please, can can he win? Can he win a championship, please, and get a few records and to be in the be around a little bit and to earn his stripes in the National Football League before we start putting uh, Khalil back in the Hall of Fame? Be much appreciated. Take a break. I'll break down and pick the three Thanksgiving games for 2018 right after this. Welcome back to the Amatel Akatiyah's podcast. Switching gears to week 12 in the National Football League that begins tomorrow with three Thanksgiving games. Starting off first with a game at 1230, it can be seen on CBS between the Chicago Bears and the Detroit Lions. Like I said, Bears, their last game, they beat the Vikings handling on the Sunday Night Football. Meanwhile, Detroit is coming off of a win after basically Juan Rivera gave them one uh, last week at home. Last meeting between these two, December 16, 2017, Lions won 20-10. Heading into that game, Khalil Mack leads the league with five forced fumbles in the season. He got Trubisky and Stafford. Trubisky averaging 283 passing yards a game, 20 touchdowns, nine interceptions on the season. Matthew Stafford is averaging 266 total yards passing per game, 17 touchdowns, eight interceptions with him. Mitch Trubisky. Has six games with just two, excuse me, two or more TD passes this season. And against top defenses, Matthew Stafford is 5-17. and 17 With opponents with a top five scoring defense. 
Uh, I think Chicago, they fit, they would like to win this game. As a matter of fact, they would need to win this game. See, when you play in a division with Aaron Rodgers and again, and the Vikings, even though you just beat them, you cannot, especially when you play in a division against Aaron Rodgers, you cannot afford under any circumstances to lie down and uh, play dead and uh, take your foot off the gas and basically cruise to the finish line. You're seven and nine, a good, a few games up, up on the Vikings in first place. You're seven, seven and three, first place. You have to keep the their foot on the necks of the Vikings and the and the Packers to a certain degree. And you have to keep your foot on the gra- going the gas. You cannot let up, and you've got to, got to, got to keep keep pushing on. Because every game, not every game, you would like to win every game, but you're not. But you cannot, under any circumstances, take your foot off the gas. Because Aaron Rodgers and the Packers could turn it on just like that, even with the struggles they're going through. Meanwhile, Lions with Matt Patricia, who really, outside of beating Belichick back in uh, early October, I think it was early October, late September, have really done nothing this season. And I got Patricia, who... Comes who comes to school looking like a uh, looking like a homeless man with backwards cap and the and the beard that looks unkept and the, and the pencil in his ear. Yeah, I got him lecturing uh, reporters on how to sit up during press conferences, and he comes to school looking like a looking like a freaking homeless man. That hypocrite, that fraud, Matt Patricia. Uh, but anyway, but they're relatively this season they've done nothing. Uh, but that game, but as far as that game goes, uh, where is it? I can't see the, oh, there it is. Uh, Chicago and Detroit, Chicago's favorite at minus four, over under combined points is 45. I'll take Chicago to win 26 to 20 in that game. Moving on to the second game is Washington and the Cowboys. Cowboys, it's about first place. Uh, whoever wins this game gets, uh, cow- I mean, heading into this game, the Redskins still are in first place. But if the Cowboys win, they take first place at 6-5. and five, And we got to put up with the with the annoying arrogance of Cowboy, of Cowboy fans across America. That includes a Skip Bayless. But uh, we'd have to put up with that, and we do not want that to happen. As the uh, Redskins coming into this game, at having lost a, a tough, a toughie at home against the uh, Texans and the Cowboys that have won two straight, beating the Eagles and Falcons on the road twice back to back. Give you a little uh, last uh, last meeting uh, in uh, Dallas. It was thirty eight. 14 Cowboys being the Redskins, but the last game these guys play, as you well remember, uh, Washington beat the Cowboys after the after the center, after the long snapper for the Cowboys had a little false start, little violation. He kept moving the football, backed them up. Cowboys tried to kick the game with a field goal to miss. Uh, Redskins won the game, but uh, Zeke Elliott he's playing well. This, Third player since 1950 with with 4,500 plus scrimmage yards and 30 scrimmage touchdowns in his first 35 games in his career. Uh, Eric Dickerson and Edgren James look him up. 
are the only two other players in that category. Colt McCoy coming into this game 7-18 and 18 as a starter, so hold your breath. But both of these two players, or both of these teams, as a matter of fact, have to rely heavily on a running game. Dallas, if Ezekiel Elliott isn't running the football well, Cowboys don't win. It's a prime example with these last two games. He's got heavy workloads, and he's done well with the heavy workload. And meanwhile, you can go back to the Titan game. Not a heavy workload. Really didn't do too much. Uh, Zeke Elliott has 3,567 rushing yards, uh, 27 rushing touchdowns, and a 32 scrimmage TDs. That includes uh, touchdown receptions coming out of backfield. Adrian Peterson has 3,000... 576 rushing yards, so uh, so about a uh, nine rushing yards better than Zeke. He has 29 rushing touchdowns, two more than Zeke, and 30 scrimmage TDs with one recep- receiving one coming out of the backfield. Uh, Dallas, like I said earlier, have to win this game. Have to win this game if they want to keep on uh, pushing to win the division. And every game is critical, but this one as well as next week against. Uh, Philadelphia more than ever because uh, they have to win this game because Dallas is right there on their tail and uh, don't look now, but the Cowboys are somewhat on fire. Uh, Dallas is favored of minus 7.5 over under combined number of points, 40.5 points. I'll, Washington needs to win this game, but with Colt McCoy at quarterback, I don't think so. I'll take Dallas to win. I'll take Washington with the point spread plus seven and a half. I'll take Dallas win 24-21. And the last game of your Thanksgiving Day affair. So you have your uh, game to watch while you're preparing. While you're preparing for your 430 meal. You got the game to watch during your 430 meal. You got the game to watch over your pumpkin pie and your eggnog and your uh, hot cup of coffee. And your coffee and ice cream and uh, ice cream and, and uh, coffee cake is uh, Falcons and Saints. If you remember last time these two teams played, it was a thrilling game where Drew Brees ran for two touchdowns and the Saints won that game in overtime. Last time those two teams played in Atlanta, uh, this game is going to be on NBC. Uh, Saints coming into this game on fire again. Whooped my Bengals. Uh, whooped my Bengals. And then before that, uh, gave Rams their first loss of the season. So they they have, they have are on a 8-9 game winning streak since getting fitzeptioned by uh, the Buccaneers in week one as they continue their winning ways after beating the... Uh, giving the uh, Eagles a solid butt-whooping last week at home. Meanwhile, the Falcons coming off of yet another heartbreaking loss to the Cowboys as they will head into the Mercedes-Benz Superdome. And uh, it's going to be a tough task. Drew Brees is going to force straight against without being sacked. That's tied for the longest streak of his career. Saints have scored 40-plus points in three straight games. That's a tied third for the longest single-season streak during the Super Bowl era. Excuse me. Julio Jones has gone 100, has has 100 receiving yards in five straight games, longest after streak in the NFL, and the longest streak in Falcons history. Uh, 
Drew Brees, MVP worthy, and it just keeps padding on his Hall of Fame worthy numbers. Uh, he has 76.9 completion percentage this season. That would be the highest single season completion percentage in NFL history. So you got all that. New Orleans really doesn't need this game. You know, this game, don't expect it to be very competitive. Uh, New Orleans is favored at minus 13. Over under combined number of points, 59.5. I'll take New Orleans to win 38 to 24. Well, that's it. I thank you for listening to another episode of the Tell I Can Tell You Is podcast with your host, Jai Shields. It's a nice little special uh, Thanksgiving Eve midweek episode I brought for you. Don't have a chance to do it during the week because obviously with school, but with the Thanksgiving holiday, it gave me a break. Plus, it allowed me to catch up on an episode because remember, I was gone off the air for a good month or so. But um, glad to do this for you, and I um, hope you enjoy it. And please subscribe. And if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, leave a review, give a star rating, give a review. Uh, like I said, subscribe, share with your friends and family, especially during Thanksgiving tomorrow. And uh, why not? Before all the games start, why not uh, put on and tell like a TI is over the. Uh, Loud stereo speaker throughout the house. Get you ready for your uh, Thanksgiving Day action of football and recap the uh, Monday night game uh, while you're preparing for your Thanksgiving Day feast. So I thank all of you that that has tuned in. Uh, It was a pleasure doing it for you. I'll be back again Saturday, if not Sunday, but definitely Saturday, but hopefully, Lord willing, Saturday. For another episode of the Targetarius Podcast, stay safe out there if you're traveling. God bless and happy Thanksgiving, everyone. Talk to you later.